Support for today's show comes from OneSkin, who I've got to say converted me to being a subscribed user. Now, if you're ready for warmer, sunnier days, that's great, but is your skin ready? See, your skin goes through a big transition between seasons, not just on the surface, but at the cellular level. That's why it's important to nurture it from the inside out with products that do more than just protect it against the sun's UV rays. Treating the symptoms rather than the root causes of aging has long been the norm. Most skin care available on the market is designed to provide a temporary reduction in the visible signs of aging, addressing just the surface symptoms of an underlying decline in skin health. OneSkin's products are powered by their scientifically proven peptide called OS1. This peptide reduces the accumulation of damaged aging cells, the cells that make your skin less resilient and more prone to lines and wrinkles. Instead of masking these issues, OneSkin addresses them at the cellular level, boosting your skin's natural barrier to lock in moisture and help protect against the elements. They have a full line of face and body products, including OSO1 Shield, an SPF that prevents UV-induced aging and repairs cellular aging all at once. I made the switch. It's official. I signed up for recurring deliveries of OneSkin. I'm going to get it every three months. Um, but I was really stupid about it. Don't be like me. I didn't use our code to start getting OneSkin delivered to my door. But I can say I'm very happy with my skin, very happy with how easy the OneSkin routine is. And I have to say that if you're interested in OneSkin, if you're looking to make a switch, you should use our codes because it is definitely going to make a difference. And I think you're really going to love this product. For a limited time, our listeners will get an extra 15% off OneSkin products using the code MANNERS. That's M-A-N-N-E-R-S when you check out at oneskin.co. Again, that is 15% off when you go to oneskin, O-N-E-S-K-I-N dot C-O and use the code MANNERS, M-A-N-N-E-R-S at checkout. No matter the season, keep your skin looking and feeling healthy with OneSkin. I do. And now back to our show. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette, where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on wearing the same color as the bridesmaids, contributing to the office bathroom supplies, telling someone you're sick without giving too many details, and expectations around getting services, like a haircut from a friend. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question is about shushing people in the library. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on bridal shower themes. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Dan Post-Senning. And I'm Lizzie Post. Sorry, guys. It's just one of those giggly days. It snowed last night, and I love the snow. Someone's in a mood. Someone is in a mood. I've been like doing creative work here at the Institute for the last couple days, and after we record this podcast, I get to dive into some more, and you know how happy that makes me. I do. 
<laughs> um, and I know it's going to make our listeners really happy, but it's definitely got that feeling of like bright, beautiful winter, blanketed snow everywhere, and it's not bitterly cold. So like you could go outside and maybe not even have on like a hat and be fine. It's just I love it. I'm so friggin' happy this morning. <laughs> the snow is just right for snowmen, snowballs, snow forts, or sledding. Yes, and I'm assuming the skiers are really happy too they've gotta be because <laughs> it's actually here <laughs> and we should tell everyone out there that you and i are both recovering from being just physically exhausted because yes it's so enticing it draws you outside and then you it go does. sledding and carry your three-year-old up the mountain too many times and <laughs> almost can't walk the next day i was gonna say i don't quite have that problem but i have been sticking to my new year's movement resolution i've been doing those fit bod workouts i had to do weighted lunges for the first time yesterday oh good for you i really had trouble sitting down after them i was like like the next day it was like um, maybe I should just work from a standing desk today. <laughs> like, <laughs> but you're right. Bodies have felt worked. <laughs> Minds have felt worked. And now we have this beautiful snow to enjoy. Because I might have to see if we still have the snow on Saturday. Might have to, to bring Jasper up for a for a sledding day or something like that. Because your, your hill is definitely the best. Oh, you definitely should. That this would be, be really the perfect fun. weekend for it. Totally, totally. Well, I'll talk to Anna and see if we could do that. But this is our show, not our background family plans. <laughs> do you have any fun topics for our intro today, Cuz? Oh, boy. I, I, I should give the update that we had Anisha's sixth birthday party this last <laughs> Sunday, and it was just <laughs> awesome. Was it? Um, I, I talked about some nerves earlier on uh, a, a different episode of the show and wanted to loop back and just say that it went really well it was a smashing success i was so proud of anisha she was such an amazing host and she would greet her guests and her mother was describing to me the way she would sort of spot people who were maybe on the edge of what was happening mm. socially and mm. approach them and engage them and, and draw them back into oh isn't uh, that's, that's magical the Sorry, games the dance off, room the party like, no it was it was magical that's amazing <laughs> and it wasn't without hitches we made our, our etiquette mistakes along the way at some point i want to do a postscript on my etiquette faux pas or the places where i learned lessons throwing yeah. uh, an elementary school birthday party but the big picture on the event was magical and because you use that word i want to describe the creative thing that happened the night before we were putting up our decorations and i had gone out and done a final pickup, you know, a helium balloon and some some stuff to set the table. <laughs> totally. And we have a bag in the basement that's got the I just love it. It's the dollar store birthday party decorations. Yeah. Oh, and totally, totally. We've gotten so much use out of them. It was the best dollar I ever spent in my life. They're, you know, happy <laughs> birthday banners and we use them again and again and again. So downstairs I went to get the dollar store happy birthday decorations and there was a another bag down there that was filled with gift bags and Anisha spotted it and brought it upstairs. And about 50% of them were new baby gift bags, but about 50% of them were birthday gift bags. And she oh, perfect. scotch taped them to all of the windows in our house. And I showed her how to make a cross <laughs> with scotch tape on the handle. Not so she where I thought this was going. <laughs> decorated the entire ground floor of the house with these like 
it, it ended up Goodie being bags. this incredible installation of all of these different <laughs> birthday images and colors, and they were just everywhere. It was awesome. Oh, that's so funny. That's awesome. I never would have thought of it. No one ever would plan to do it. And it was just this this creative rush that she went through. And it just really worked. It (laughs) created a vibe for the whole party. That's so awesome. That's really, really awesome. And all the kids had fun. Yes, absolutely. Well, there were, you know, moments here or there. Rise and fall, the big picture. Everyone had a great time. It it really was a good one. And the parents all had a good time. Because it was a parent. Parents were there, right? This was six-year-olds. So we were still kind of like parents are, we're just getting to the drop-off parties maybe next year. It was optional. One little firecracker told her mother she wasn't allowed to come in. And (laughs) (laughs) that particular mother kind of snuck in at the end of the party. And I was glad she did because I got to talk to her a little bit. She was sort of hung on the the outskirts. She didn't actually enter all the way until it was time to pick up her daughter. But (laughs) That's really funny. Got to meet some well, new friends, meet job. some new parents. Yeah. Good job. Good job. I had fun chatting with Nish about her birthday on the 24th. And, and I was really glad that the party went wonderfully. And she was very excited for her family party that was coming up. So yeah. it was fun to to chat with the birthday girl for a minute. <laughs> Lizzie Post, if you let me, I will go on and on about this for the next <laughs> hour. But we have some questions to get to. Oh, yes, we do. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a voicemail or text to 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or you can reach us on social media. On Twitter, we're at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your social media posts so that we know you want your question on the show. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. You'll solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. So fun for Emily fans. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. And we know you all are very observant. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris. Each chapter uncovers a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. That sounds like so much fun. (laughs) You can customize your very own luxurious estate island, collect scraps of information to fill your photo album, and learn more about each character. Chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. For us, it's the mystery of the story that has us invested. And for me personally, it's the building of that luxurious estate island. I mean, come on, how fun is that? We are not going to give away any spoilers. You are going to have to try June's Journey for yourself. When you do, tell us all about your custom estate. Any Emily Post 1920s inspiration involved when you build yours? We sure hope so. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. It's a blast. And now back to our show. Our first question this week is about a dress dilemma. Mm. Hello, awesome etiquette team. I hope you are all doing well. Thank you for a great podcast. I'm going to attend a wedding soon, and I ordered a light, 
blue midi-length dress for the event. I checked with the bride's mom and found that the bridesmaids will be wearing dusty blue knee-length dresses, but in a different style than the dress I ordered. Do you think that I can still wear the dress I ordered? I'm thinking about sending a picture to the bride once the dress comes in to get her approval. Thanks for your thoughts, Natalie. Natalie, I want to start this question, Dan, by applauding Natalie for for thinking of others. And also, I want to give Natalie the encouragement to not worry about it too much. You're a guest of the wedding, and the couple, unless they've posted something to like their wedding website where they're announcing what the color of the bridesmaids' dresses are to everybody... It's really fair game on wedding colors. I mean, think about the the bridal parties, Dan, where the bride chooses like black or something like that, which is uh, didn't used to be, but is a very popular wedding color these days. So many people would be in the same colors as the wedding party. Your dress is different. The color might be quite similar, but I think you could do something like put a shawl, wear some more statement like jewelry with it, something that shows it's not that uniform look that the bridesmaids have and that you aren't like a standout from the uniform look as like a maid or matron of honor. You know what I mean? Because sometimes that can be a thing. But that's my vote here is stick with your beautiful blue dress. Don't worry about trying to ask the bride for permission. Brides don't really have that much control over guests' attire. And so I think we want to be a little little bit aware of that. My vote is wear, wear the blue dress, do a shawl, do some statement jewelry, and be very happy in your beautiful blue dress. I'm going to defer both to your (laughs) wedding etiquette experience and women's fashion advice experience. (laughs) Okay. My initial instinct was very similar to yours. I was thinking it's such a thoughtful consideration. It's it's a nice thing for Natalie to be thinking about. And like you, and not being as certain about it, I was thinking that it probably wasn't something that would be a big miss if you didn't do it. Yeah, it could show some some real care if you did, but it's not something that you you necessarily have to do. And I like the way you kind of pulled me more in the direction of don't worry about it too much. You're you're probably in pretty good shape here. Can I push you more in that direction? Please. (laughs) This is one where I don't know how big this wedding is. And I don't know how chaotic the planning process has been for the bride. But I hear a lot of brides express frustration or vent a little bit about guests who reach out with their own particular thing, if it's not something serious like an accessibility question or a question about uh, allergies or menus or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it can be a lot, and that's why I think not troubling the bride with this one, I think, I think is going to be the right move. There are some picky brides out there who maybe want that kind of control, or but I... It's always been a thing where if you don't announce what color the bridal party is wearing, then there's a very good chance someone's going to end up in a, in a similar color or similar style dress. Or for the groomsmen, the, their outfits, you know, and, and of course, not, not every wedding is bride and groom. But I think it's, for me, I worry about this being like a step too personal and too far, even though it's coming from a place of true consideration and thought of other people. I mean, this person's already bought the dress and they're considering not wearing it. Like that's a deep consideration. There's a financial hit to that. You know what I mean? I I feel like there's, there's a lot there. So I don't want to diminish it from the thought of the guest, 
But I think I would add the filter of, and this couple's dealing with a lot. Does my personal dress really, is is it really that big a deal? Would it be that big of a faux pas? I'm voting no. Well, you consider me further pulled in that direction. And <laughs> I, I had been thinking about follow-up advice on this question mm-hmm. that was along the lines of, it's okay to ask questions as long as you're prepared to accept any answer. That oh, if you very were good to <laughs> go ahead and, and, and make this ask, that be sure that you're really comfortable and you're not going to harbor any resentment if the answer is, actually, it would be great if you could find something different. <laughs> That's a really good point. That you're really prepared for anything. But now I'm feeling less likely that question is going to be asked unless there's something specific about this bride and her approach that Natalie's aware of that might pull her back in that direction. Of but I w- yeah, am and, now and starting- I think it's important to say that, Dan. So I'm really glad you brought that. That, that you just re you know reemphasize that point. Yeah, but I'm also now thinking about the, the the big picture etiquette tenets that Natalie's not in violation of here. One being that you're not distracting from the bride and the groom. That mm-hmm. what you're planning to wear isn't designed to steal the show. And yes. if there is a purpose to that that thematic look for the bridal party. Most likely it has to do with the photography that's been planned. And this is where you might correct me or not. So don't go photobomb those pictures. Don't try to sneak in. And you're probably going to be in pretty good shape. I think that's a great way to put it. Natalie, thank you so much for this question. I have a feeling a lot of other folks will be uh, interested in the answer. So thanks for taking the time to write it in. And we certainly hope our answer helps you and that you love what you wear to this wedding. I can decide which one of my beautiful gowns I'll wear that evening. My maid will have to be French. I'll bring her from Paris when I get my gowns. That way I can be sure of looking so radiantly beautiful that my husband can't help being as proud of me as I am of him. Awesome Etiquette gets support from Modern Mammals. I am really enjoying our new sponsor, Modern Mammals Hair Product, and I'm going to give you the promo code right off the bat. Go to modernmammals.com and use the code MANNERS, M-A-N-N-E-R-S, for 10% off. Modern Mammals makes hair products for men, although I'm telling you, Pooja loves them maybe more than I do. I tried their men's hair rinse called Magic Mud. It's a lightly cleansing, heavily moisturizing wash. Take note, listeners, it doesn't suds up like shampoo, so it doesn't dry your hair and scalp out really nice when you're wearing winter hats all the time. That means no more poofy, frizzy, limp hair. It also means your scalp better regulates its own natural oils, which is much healthier in the long run. Modern Mammal's goal is to try and keep your hair and head natural. This means they don't distort your pH balance and natural oils like a shampoo would. This stuff is really nice. It works. I really like having it in my shower as an option. I mix it in about every second or third go, and it is really, really nice in your hair. Imagine getting date night hair whenever you wanted. It's much lower effort, but your hair is going to consistently look much better. Modern Mammals doesn't just say that. They have hundreds of customer reviews saying it and me saying it too. Check them out today. Go to ModernMammals.com and use the code MANNERS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with the promo code MANNERS. Don't forget to use our promo code MANNERS so they know that we sent you. And now, back to our show. Our next question is titled, Soap Supply Snag. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. 
I have a question for you regarding office bathroom etiquette. It's not as bad as you might think. <laughs> there is a, 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 a sigh of relief happening over here. <laughs> that cracked me up. In my office, the women have typically bought our own hand soaps and placed them in the bathroom to share so as to avoid the sickly pink goop that is otherwise the only option provided by the building. However, recently, many of the women who began this tradition have moved on to be replaced by a brand new crowd that I think is completely unaware that the nice hand soaps they're using are not provided by the building. My question is essentially, how do I inform them of this and encourage them to participate? Should I send out an email or write a friendly note in the bathroom or leave a sign-up sheet in the bathroom where you can write your name if you were the last one to contribute soap? One woman used to email out all the ladies in the building about this practice, but I would get mildly annoyed at the passive aggressiveness in her email, as she would state explicitly that using the hand soaps required you to bring more in when they were empty. What is a cheerful and pleasant way I can bring this to my fellow ladies' attention? I don't want to get stuck constantly supplying hand soap for the bathroom, but I don't want others to view me as passive-aggressive either. Looking forward to your reply, and thanks for keeping etiquette alive. Thanks, Soapy Waters. Dan, have we done this question before? It sounds super familiar. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Soapy Waters, thank you so much for the question. This is a fun <laughs> one. And also, thank you for including the delicious detail that the previous person yes. that organized this was both very good at getting everybody to do it, and that the system worked, and that it worked so well you wanted to continue. And <laughs> the way she did it was a little bit irritating. And you would love to do a better job than she did and still get the same results. I think it's the I know, the, I love that. <laughs> the best possible framing for this question. And it, it sets us up to answer without talking about the the danger of tripping over into that territory where yeah. you're that coworker that's making you're those that requests person. that are irritating. <laughs> I think all of the things that you've suggested could work. A sign-up sheet to keep track, a friendly reminder. But I think they all work once you've got buy-in from the new crowd. And yeah. it sounds like what I would do if I were you is start with just letting people know. Let them know what used to happen before, that these soaps aren't provided by the building, that there was a system where people would replace them and rotate the hat or take turns doing it, and that – if it is going to continue, something like that would need to be something that this new group would have to adopt. Yeah. And I would share that information and then ask the question, is this something you'd be interested in? Would you be interested? And then if the answer is yes, enough times, then you can follow up with those second questions of what do you think is a good way for us to organize it? I'd be willing to do X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And I think that then you start to get both buy-in. People have enough information to make good decisions, and it puts you in a position of not making requests of people that are things they haven't consented to in some way. Where's the, like, fanfare and cheersing in the background? I got nothing to add. This is great advice. <laughs> I love it, Dan. I love the idea of kind of explaining the old system Asking folks if they'd like to buy in and then opening up for ways that the old idea could work maybe with a new group. And I, I just love it. I think that's the perfect way to approach this. It doesn't make it sound like it's coming down from on high or it's forcing people to participate in a system that they weren't really aware existed when they signed on to the job. 
I'd also just like to toss out that because there's the pink soap that's getting refilled all the time by the building, but not really getting used as much. I'm wondering if it's not worth talking to one of the building managers or whoever's kind of the point person. I remember back when we were at Union Street, it was Pam. And um, we would coordinate with Pam on anything on the building. But just talking to that point person and kind of maybe letting them know what's up and and finding out if there's a way the building might be able to provide maybe not the nicest hand soap, but like a nicer hand soap, if that's what the folks using this bathroom feel good about, feel good using. Oddly enough, because I seem to recall something fairly similar happening at EPI in our Union Street building. I felt like there was something about the soaps. And like, I learned at one point that like, we were actually supplying the soaps or something like that. So this sounded very familiar territory to me when I heard the question. But I really like the idea of kind of recognizing that there was an old tradition, there's a new group, how would the new group like to engage the old tradition if they'd like to? If nobody wants to engage this tradition, I'm thinking that if uh, Soapy Waters is is missing or really wanting that soap, you could always just bring a little for yourself if you didn't feel like supplying it for everybody. And that might be something to do if it doesn't kind of become a group thing anymore. I, I want to follow you down the details rabbit hole. <laughs> I hadn't thought about talking to a building manager or someone who orders supplies. And it's true. Some of those commercial supplies just are not great. Yeah. And they're not great, but they're also much more affordable. So there might yep. be a reason it might or might not be possible. Yep. Like you, I was thinking about sort of final recourse if you don't get the buy-in and – Maybe there's a, a place you could hide a little soap in the bathroom if you didn't want to carry it all the time. Sometimes <laughs> there's a little, a little spot drawer. in the cabinet. and <laughs> Pull maybe, out a brick and tuck it behind it. <laughs> maybe the person ordering supplies can't help you, but maybe the, the, the custodian who's in charge of that bathroom would agree to leave alone the soap that you keep just under the sink. Yeah, and like it that. would be there for you when you need it. Like you, Lizzie, I, I was searching for a final piece of etiquette advice here, and I was reminding myself of the end of question one, that oh, you yeah. don't want to ask any questions that you're not ready to get the answers to. So That's true, too. <laughs> in going into your conversation with the newcomers, if there isn't a lot of interest in it, be ready to accept that as well. That might be that this is something that moves on with the crowd, and if that's the case, you can feel good and empowered to take care of yourself. Soapy Waters, thank you so much for this question and for the encouragement. We will try to keep up the, the good work here at Awesome Etiquette. And we certainly hope that your restroom experience at work remains something that you enjoy. To protect your own health, you should wash your hands well with warm water and plenty of soap before every meal. Being clean makes you feel good. Our next question is about an illness inquiry. Hmm. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I find it very uncomfortable to express details of any illness. But when an illness precludes me from showing up at work or attending an event to which I have RSVP'd, I want to express that I'm actually ill, and I am not simply trying to get out of a commitment. I do not want to disgust the recipient of such communications, but I do have some friends who are known to have a stomach or headache mm. before almost any social gathering. How do I balance respect for the recipient of my message with expressing that I am, in fact, disappointed by the change of plans? I even had an argument with someone close to me that too much detail is, in fact, uncomfortable for the person reading the message. Mm. 
Please let me know your thoughts. I love the podcast. Thank you, Emmy. Emmy, I love the way you're thinking about this. We live in a society that really promotes opening up, discussing things, not hiding things away. And there is a part of that that I am so for. In fact, I'm probably the one in our family most likely to discuss details people wouldn't want to hear. But I would also say that with that, I appreciate Emmy's attention towards other people and their comfort and how much they need to hear in order to grasp the situation. And that we don't always have to talk about disgusting and gross things or the details of an illness in order to convey that we are ill. And that, that's the biggest takeaway I'm hoping Emmy can get from our answer, Dan, is that this is one where I don't think Emmy does have to go into details when canceling. I think there is a fear when you either know of other people who get headaches or stomach bugs right before social events. And sometimes that's actually real based on the anxiety that they're feeling is presenting itself physically. Other times it's a convenience thing that someone is making up. We live in a world where people could do that any day at work, at, you know, for social events. It doesn't matter. Like it, it's a possibility all the time. And I think the best thing that I would tell myself in this particular situation is if I have an honest and trusting relationship with a friend or with a family member, then there's no reason to doubt that when I'm say I'm sick and I'm truly sorry that I'm going to miss out on the event that I mean, I'm sick and I'm truly sorry I'm going to miss out on the event. So I almost want to dial this back to trusting the simple and clear communications and the relationships that you have your upstandingness in those relationships to not make other people judge you or question why you're canceling for an event last minute when you say you're sick. I think that is such the heart of the issue with okay. this question. I couldn't agree more. And it's not always easy to assume other people trust us. Yeah. And it's not always true that they are. <laughs> That's but true. As a, but as a foundation for the way we're going to manage our social expectations, assuming trust is is a really good place to start. It's the, the type of relationship that we want to be in. And I really liked, Lizzie, the way you emphasized in particular, trust the relationships that you have with people. Trust the the experience that they have knowing you and the ways that you interact to affirm for everyone in that relationship, you and them, that you operate fundamentally from a place of trusting each other. And that's as, as close to a core principle or core tenet of etiquette as you're going to be able to get consideration, respect, and honesty. And that honesty is about sincerity and being genuine but it's also obviously about being truthful yeah. and and that's really important. I also think we can look at another sort of core etiquette concept here, which is the idea that in communication, if you think about what people assume you have the most right to privacy about mm. and people exercise the most discretion about when talking or communicating health issues, family issues, financial issues are, are really at the top of those lists. And those health issues that you're talking about aren't something that any reasonable person would expect you to disclose. Mm -hmm. So you shouldn't feel a lot of pressure to do that. And part of those being such 
personal private issues means that even if you're comfortable sharing and Lizzie, I love the self-awareness that you show saying, and I'm the person in the family most likely to overshare about this sort of thing. I am. I think you're not so likely to overshare. (laughs) I think you will share more than other people, but you're not as likely to overshare because you're pretty aware of those boundaries and where they lie for you and for other people. You know not to say certain things to me. In fact, I do. When we read the and bathroom I love question, you make fun of me about forcing it. it on you. I have so many conversations that I keep from you. But no, um, I'm just teasing. The other thing that I do want to just throw into the mix of this, because we are we are answering this question in 2023, is that I have found in this quasi post pandemic, li- you know, living with COVID world that we are in, and especially living with the flu and the RSV that was going around this winter or still going around this winter. I feel like people are way more encouraging of stay home if you're sick. I don't want to get sick. I don't want you to get other people at this party sick. I think there is so much more public awareness about not spreading germs. And that, I think, could be a benefit to people not just automatically assuming someone's faking it or something like that, that I think Emmy might experience a bit more encouragement than maybe in, I guess, what, three years ago now? And so that just something to to lean into a little bit with this. But I, I like the idea of Emmy being able to lean on the good relationships she's built and the good trust that she's built in those relationships and her own integrity to carry through that when she says she's sick, she is sick. And let's just leave it at that. <laughs> you can avoid getting a bad reputation yeah. by not canceling regularly. Yes. And for most people – that experience of illness isn't going to be so regular that it starts to create that impression Absolutely. for other people. And Lizzie, you also did something else in your sample script early in the answer that I want to reaffirm, which is you also explicitly said, I'm really sorry that I won't be able to be there. Uh, yeah. And you include that, you make that explicit, you make that part of your message when you deliver as soon as you possibly can, as soon as you know that you won't be able to be at the thing that you've RSVP'd for. Mm-hmm. So you show as much courtesy to your host as you possibly can. And and you also tell them that you're sorry that you'll miss it if that's the way you're feeling about it. Well, and you apologize for canceling last minute because that is something worth apologizing for. Very much so. Emmy, you are certainly not alone in this world being uncomfortable talking about the details of illnesses. We think that you're doing a good job balancing respect for yourself with the recipient of these messages. We really hope that our answer helps. Poor Barbara, left for her the carefree hours of happy play. Nor the busy hours of work and study. What has happened to her that she lies there so hot and feverish, so weak and busy, so miserable with suffering and pain? It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Our next question is titled Haircut Conundrum. Hello! 
I have heard of two different situations lately where someone will offer their services to a friend by saying, I'd love to cut your hair. You have to let me cut your hair. Or I'd love to take your family's photos with no mention of pricing. After the service is performed, they are then asked for payment. And both times the price was way more than they were expecting to pay for the service in general. What is a good sample script when a friend offers a service they do professionally or even as a hobby, and you aren't sure if or how much they are planning to charge you? If they are planning on charging you, but you wouldn't want to pay that price for the service, what's a good way to abort the project without commenting about their pricing? Tracy. What a great question. Lizzie Bo, should I should I take a back seat on this one or should I take a crack at it? <laughs> take a crack at it, man. Go for it. <laughs> Lessons learned. Once bitten, twice shy. I can think of a, a number of expressions about um, when you get a little too far down a path and it doesn't result in the outcomes that you're expecting. It can make you remember about uh, not getting down that path in the first place the next time a similar situation comes up. God, and it's also just so uncomfortable. Like backtracking is a hard thing to do. And because it's so hard, I want to prevent the need to do it. I, like I want the response to, okay. I'd love to take your family photos, or I'd love to cut your hair, to be something along the lines of, oh, Sarah, thank you so much for the offer. How much would it be to get my hair colored with you? Yeah. And if that's the initial response, then it's either, oh, no, I wouldn't charge you for the first time, or I wouldn't charge a friend, then... Great. You know what you're dealing with. That, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd be I'd love to do that. I, I I'd love to do it knowing you're not planning on charging me. I'd love to do it knowing that you're thinking of this as a trial test, but that you might want to charge later on if I keep doing it. Or mm -hmm. I would hear from you what your rate or what your expectation is for being paid for this and then make an informed choice about whether I want to say yes or no to it. But I think asking about the price is an important thing to do early on. And it's in no way offensive it's not um any violation of etiquette for that to be part of your inquiry and if it's not what they're thinking it gives them an opportunity to tell you that and then everyone knows what the what the situation is and can feel good about it i think there's an first of all yay good job dan <laughs> even with a sample script good, i good, think good. so i mean i didn't i didn't have much to add here i i think that is the key is just being willing to address the issue of payment the issue of budget, uh, like right at the beginning of that offer, like, oh, man, I'd love to take you up on that. How how much, you know, are your services or what would a cut and color be with you? Or, yeah, let me know what the pricing, you know, your average pricing is for a wedding or something like that. I, I see this a lot in weddings where mm -hmm. it's like a, a friend is really good at arranging flowers, so they'll offer to do a wildflower collection or something. But then they realize it takes forever and they want to. <laughs> get paid and they for usually it. get paid for it yeah exactly yeah. it's there's all kinds of things from volunteer to to people offering from a business perspective that can get people in a place of wanting to backtrack but i think that it's it, that just you are spot on address the price ask the questions up ahead i love the detail you got into with oh sure and i just want to check in is the is like is this a, a test run? <laughs> you know, is this a, a first one free and I should check in about price for the next one? That sort of thing also reminded me, Dan, that if you are in a situation where someone has given you a free service, 
often that next service isn't going to be free. It's not like, you know, you dine at your friend's restaurant all the time just totally for free and can bring in whoever you want. As the person receiving the benefit, it is so great to keep checking in about that benefit if it's been extended or even just after that first initial moment saying, you know, hey, I, I really so appreciated that last time, but I, I just wanted you to know I don't have any expectations about that. So I wanted to ask about cost and see if it was something I'd be able to do again. You know, we can always fall back on something not working with our own budgets if someone quotes us a price too high. So the next part was if the price is too high, what do you do? And that's where I would say, oh my gosh, well, you know, thank you so much for letting me know. It's not quite in my budget right now, but I'm really glad I have the information. And I think that that's a really honest, honest thing to say, an honest way to approach it. You might have a budget for something, but not wanting to spend it on that is is okay too. It's I, I want to put that out there as well, so that this doesn't feel like a lie. If maybe you do have means. Finally, Dan, I want to say that it's also okay to decline service for any reason. Oh, I've been going to my stylist for forever and and that's my comfort zone. So I'm going to stick with her, but I'd be happy to recommend you to friends. You know, I, I know people who get your haircuts and they look great. <laughs> like, I think there are ways you can, you can decline an offer that lets someone know it's just not something you're looking for at this particular time and that it's really great to know about their services so that you can spread the word. And I think that's a great way to kind of exit that conversation. Just because someone says, you have to let me cut your hair. <laughs> Doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> Doesn't mean you have to let them cut your hair. It's very, very true. <laughs> Tracy, thank you so much for this question. I think it's going to help a lot of people out. So we really appreciate you submitting it to the podcast. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. Just remember, use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. If you love Awesome Etiquette, you can support the show by becoming a paid subscriber to our Substack. Head on over to emilypost.substack.com. There you'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content, including our discussion threads and community. Plus, you'll feel great knowing that you help to keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already paid subscribers, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Today we have feedback from Amy and Helen about doggy bags, the poo kind, from episode 436. <laughs> Dear Dan and Lizzie, I wanted to share my feedback about episode 436 and the question of where to throw out your dog poop bags. I recently moved from San Francisco, California to a small suburb outside of Boston. Hey, welcome to the East Coast. And I recently adopted an Australian shepherd who needs at least three long walks a day and does his business a lot on those walks, sometimes five bags worth. Wow. Coming from a city that is known for not only dog poop on the street, but also human poop, there was a map for tracking this at one point. My view is 
throw it out. Your trash can, my trash can, public trash can, as long as it's in a bag in a trash can. I prefer that to it being on my shoe. Also, the suburb I'm living in does not have enough public trash cans, and it has led to people leaving their dog poop bags along the sidewalk somewhere, clearly with the intention of picking it up when they turn around and go home. But people often seem to forget, meaning others then step on the bags and get the poop on their shoes. The United States as a whole could take a page out of Singapore's notebook and have trash cans every six feet if we want to keep our cities cleaner and encourage dog owners to pick up after their dogs. What I really like about Amy's feedback here is that it's got the tone of like, nobody wants to step on dog poop. Nobody wants it around. So if we all got behind the idea that any trash can doesn't matter what kind of trash can is preferable to a sidewalk or something like that, I think... I for I that resonates with me. I know it doesn't resonate with everybody, but it resonates with me. I like how you're calling out the distinct assumption that trash can is better than street. And I would definitely <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we also got a piece of feedback on the same question from Helen. Helen begins, where I live, we can either rent trash cans from the city or buy our own. I bought my own and I keep it clean. No loose trash, for example. So finding someone else's dog poo bags in there is not okay, especially when put in there after the trash has been collected, which has happened. Mm. My feeling is it's your dog. Take the poo back to your trash can. That's what I always do when I'm dog sitting for friends. It's just part of owning or caring for a dog. To dump it in someone else's bin without their permission, whether owned or rented is irrelevant, is just plain rude. Okay, cuz, so such a Libra. I hear that, and I'm like, and I totally agree with that, too. <laughs> like, I think it is a little bit one of those things where it's like, you know, yes, it's annoying to carry around a bag of dog poop, but you're the one who got the dog. You took responsibility for the dog. Take responsibility for it. Take that poop back to your own garbage can. I just... I. I love how my brain can be in both of these places at once. <laughs> I am so in Helen's camp and Amy got me there to Yeah. It's probably not good to put them in someone else's trash can, but it's better than leaving it on the street and frankly I'd rather have someone leave it in my trash can than in front of my driveway. But what do you think about the fact that it's like that to me that uh rationale ignores the option that Helen's bringing up of or you could just carry it with you and bring it home, like, you know, to your own trash can. If I'm choosing between evils, I'll take the lesser evil. But you're right. In general, <laughs> I'd rather have the good. I think that's a really, really good way to sum all of it up, Dan. Helen and Amy, thank you both so much for your perspectives. We really appreciate hearing them. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next piece of feedback, question, or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to be talking about wedding shower themes. 
<laughs> Fanfare. <laughs> Drum roll, please. Lizzie Post. Uh, this has been a, a really fun project in the background going on at Emily Post. And uh, by the time this show airs, it actually should be launched. So you guys might, might have your hands on this. But we have been coming up with ways to create useful digital content, much of which is interactive, so that people can do things like plan the types of parties that might not happen all the time <laughs> um, and that might have a few special rules to consider around them, especially when it comes to things like gifts or celebrating honorees. And so we've been putting together these wonderful content packets, kind of how to how to host a party. And one of the ones that we've put together is how to host a wedding shower. And I loved working on this project. I'm very excited to work on more of these types of projects. But I thought it would be really fun. Do, you're, you're enjoying it? It looks so good, Lizzie <laughs> Post. It, I got to tell you. Do I, it. I'm going to interrupt. I'm interrupting you right now in front of everyone to tell you I saw the, the first draft of this earlier this week. And I was just <laughs> really like, Lizzie, this is so good. <laughs> It's been fun learning how to learning how to make it and figuring this out. And um, uh, what was really fun, though, was coming up with a lot of things to include. So the packet has things like a 101, you know, kind of like a rundown of all the pertinent information you'd need to host a shower. But it also gives you inspiration um, in terms of shower themes. And it's got some really cool tools, things like calendar that you can actually write into straight from your phone or your tablet or your computer. It's got a week weekly planner. So there's like a six week calendar and a weekly planner. There's a gift ledger to use at the party. There's even games to use at the party or game to to break out at the party, which you could do as a printout. You could do you could send everyone the game and put it on the, their phones. It's been a lot of fun creating this packet. And there's there's been a lot of cool and useful info. Oh, there's also like invitation samples in it. I just remembered that. <laughs> um, it's been really, really fun. But the wedding shower themes was such a fun part of writing that package. So I was like, Dan, I want to do it for a postscript. So today we are going to talk about wedding shower themes. And there are so many beyond the ones that we're going to list here. But to start them off, Dan, one of the first ones is uh, a kitchen theme, which is a really classic theme. A lot of us get married once we've already lived on our own for a bit. So we might have the basics, but a wedding becomes a time where you could fill in some of those dream items, maybe that Cuisinart or KitchenAid or a particular set of uh, utensils. Doesn't even have to be fancy silverware or china, but just something to to sort of add to those moments where you're going to be cooking with your spouse, even though you might already live with them, you know, in, enjoying time together in that community space in the house. And so I really love kitchen theme personally, because I like to cook and bake a lot. So it's a dr dreamy space. <laughs> well, and you also like to entertain. Absolutely. And this one can kind of tiptoe up to setting you up for entertaining as a couple as well. I love the idea of table linens, serving ware barware, things that you would use to entertain, to invite other people into that space and to share that that food and that kitchen with them. I love that. I absolutely love that. The next theme on our shower list is my favorite. And it's because, well, it's, it's one of two favorites. And it's a favorite, okay, three favorites. Darn it, Dan, I like so many of our shower themes. <laughs> I need more friends to get married so that I have more showers to throw. But Hours of the Day is a shower theme that her friends held for her when she got married. And I was so enthralled by it because it it related to a specific thing I used daily in my house, which was our medicine cabinet growing up. It was above the sink in, in the bathroom Anna and I shared. And it was filled with all the usual things 
things, band-aids, Pepto-Bismol, Neosporin. I mean, you know, just like all the, all the classic things you'd find in a medicine cabinet. And it was one of those that like recessed into the wall. And my mom actually told me that that was a gift from that shower. And I would not think of a like installable uh, medicine cabinet as a shower gift, which is why I thought this was so intriguing. And she said, yeah, it's from an hours of the day shower. So each guest was assigned or got to pick an hour of the day. And they had to think of a gift that might match something that could happen during that hour of the day. And the person who had done the medicine cabinet was, uh, I think they were like a 2 a.m.er. And so they they filled it with a lot of stuff that like if you woke up sick in the middle of the night or if you were really tired and you couldn't sleep, that kind of stuff. And I just thought it was genius. I like it tickled me pink. I loved it. And that's that's the idea for hours of the day. So when you host the shower, you as, as you are do the RSVPs, you're assigning guests or working with guests to help them choose an hour of the day to go after. And um, and I, I just think it's so cool. <laughs> it would push me to think in different ways. An hour of the day is a slightly different kind of theme and it would it would make me think very specifically about the people I'm giving gifts to and, yeah, and, and imagine absolutely. the life absolutely. that they're going to be living. The next one on the list is an adaptation. So we're all pretty familiar with the lingerie party. And that one is oh so intimate and risque in really fun ways. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of beautiful things can be gifted. A lot of things that are really appreciated. But it's a really intimate party. So it doesn't always make uh, as, as good a party for everybody on the guest list sometimes. Um, we really want to think about it when we host it. And so we've adapted this party to be a bedroom party. So much like the kitchen, this would be something where you would fill up for things either for bedtime or at like in the bedroom. I could think of uh, spa type stuff as a gift, Dan. I could think of linens as a gift. I could think of a beautiful silk bathrobe as a gift or slippers. But I, we're kind of going in that bedtime, a noise machine, maybe <laughs> a white noise machine. Those little scented pillows I got for Christmas that oh, I love yeah, so yeah, much. Yeah, 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 yeah. How about wax earplugs? <laughs> like I've heard those are the best for ignoring snoring. I think there's a lot of ways you could go. I also like that calling it a bedroom shower makes it, I think, more accessible to everyone, no matter what your gender is. You could have a bedroom shower that helps with some of these nighttime things and, and gets you set up well for that that wonderful experience. <laughs> you don't you don't think someone would buy me lingerie, Lizzie Post? I'm having a really hard time Okay, I don't want to picture it, and I, I'm having a hard time picturing Pooj purchasing it for you, maybe, or friends wanting to purchase it for you. So I like the idea of a, be a bedroom thing. I, I appreciate the effort <laughs> to include the... Everyone. Well, yeah. everyone. But I also like that because it can... It can help, I think, dial things back for folks who might be a little uncomfortable attending a lingerie party. They don't have to do lingerie. They could do something like we said, like slippers or beautiful candle or maybe some spa-like things for the bathroom or something like that. Dan, what's next on our list? I'm glad that you fed this one to me because this would be my <laughs> totally. favorite on the list. The hobbies shower where you get to know something that the couple love and really support them in it and really fill them up with it. And it doesn't all have to be golf balls. For some people, that would be awesome. <laughs> but um, I use that example way too much. Dan's teasing me. <laughs> it, it does give you an opportunity to really dig in and, and indulge someone in something that you know they enjoy. And to me, that is oftentimes the most fun when you're giving gifts. 
So for the hobbies party, obviously you're going to, as a host, need to um, get a little bit of direction from the couple on what some things that would contribute to that hobby are going to be, especially if it's not something you also do. But it's going to have a little bit more of a specific direction to it. And so rather than just giving them a myregistry.com link or something like that, you're going to be kind of directing guests as to what the hobby is and either where they can find a registry that kind of focuses on that hobby. So I'm thinking of something like, a, you know, if, if here we have a company called Outdoor Gear Exchange, and maybe there's a situation where they set up registries in store for any couples, and it's like tons of outdoor gear, maybe camping or hiking or rock climbing is what these folks like to do. Those new inflatable kayaks that you hike yeah, into you, the backcountry. Yeah, you got one of those. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely one where the host needs to work with the honoree to make sure that the things that they're getting are really going to apply to to how they engage this hobby. But I think it's a really great one. As you said, it, it lets everyone get to know the couple a bit more and support them in stuff they like to do together. The last one on the list that I'm looking at was one that I learned from. I had never heard of this one before. The holiday shower. And it makes perfect sense. I love this one. <laughs> in the same way you're equipping a kitchen for a couple starting a new life, equip them to celebrate the holidays they love. It's so true. It, like it is so so true. And I think that this is one of those really fun ones that will remind the couple of the wonderful people who are supporting them throughout the year as they think about things like, oh, this is the thing Aunt Lois got us, you know, for Hanukkah and we're so glad to bring it out. I just I love I love this idea. I really, really do. So obviously you're gonna pick holidays that the couple celebrates and you might even even ask the honorees a little bit about their taste or style in this direction. Certainly a holiday like Christmas has ranges in terms of the things. <laughs> um, some things might might apply to that word tacky we just talked about recently. Other things might might have other words associated with them. But I think it's it's important to kind of get a, a style um, assessment from the couple in terms of how they like to celebrate their holidays and things like that. And also make sure their holidays they actually celebrate. Um, you might know someone's of a particular religion, but they might not actually actually celebrate all the holidays that religion has to offer. So worthwhile to, to coordinate a little bit ahead of time, but this is a really fun one, really cool one on the list. And Dan, the final one that I just love so much, and I know you're a big fan of this one, is the recipe shower. And this oh. is a shower. Yeah, th this is a shower where the couple comes away with a whole recipe book of meaningful recipes from their friends and family. And I just think that is so cool. I'm such a big fan of how food brings people together, how it can be nourishing. And the coolest version of this I saw had things in it like, this is the chocolate cake that you'll make for the first time you guys have a fight. And this will be the cake you make for, for the makeup dinner afterwards or something like that. And I, I just love like imagining moments this couple is going to have and imagining the food that'll be served around them. So like, this will be the, the dinner you cook for the, the day that one of you walks in with a promotion or reaches a major milestone goal or something like that. And it, it kind of gets you excited thinking about all the life things you're going to experience together, good and bad that are going to make up the life you and your partner share. And there's something really beautiful about that. Dan, I could wax poetic about this one for forever. What recipe would you give if you were invited to a shower like this? 
icebox cake. It's the most <laughs> universal dessert ever invented. You can whip it up quickly. It makes you look yes. like you know what you're doing in the kitchen. It's so good. <laughs> I love that. That was recently one of our um, Saturday sip recipes. And Emily's icebox cake is totally different from our icebox cake. So we gave both recipes. I love that. That is that is such for a, good a recipe idea. shower. Would you make the gift, the recipe card, and the ingredients to make it, or is it really just about the recipe itself? I think it's really about the recipe. This is one of those where showers, first of all, they don't all have to be bought gifts. Um, there's there's a quilting shower. I think is so beautiful when folks get together and create a handmade quilt for the couple. I, I honestly that should have been on this list too. That's another really beautiful one. But not all showers, and you can have more than one shower, but not all showers have to be specifically bought presents from a registry. And that's what I really love about the recipe shower. I think just making sure that the recipe is written really cleanly or that all the recipes are gathered by the host and the host puts, or maybe maybe one of the guest offers, guests offers, um, to, to collate them together, to get them together into some kind of cohesive, either a book. or And th- that's another thing is that today we live in an age where it's so easy to get things like a book printed out and done up for somebody, whether that's just a three ring binder and some handmade decorations, which can be a really great way to do it, or whether that's like sending it out to a company that produces things like this. But but that's that's I, I love it. I like that it's something people can participate in without having to pay. I like that it's got a huge sentimental value to it. And it's really useful. <laughs> yeah. I know you could go on all afternoon about wedding showers, but I can't let you. Uh, why? <laughs> because we have some other stuff to do, and we are going to make sure that everybody knows where they can get access to this packet, and they can find out more about wedding showers by doing exactly that. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for talking about it with me today, and I hope that everyone who is hosting a wedding shower feels very prepared for a very fun event. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today we have a salute from Lucy. Hello, AE team. I have an etiquette salute from my husband and me. My husband is a commercial airline pilot, so as you can imagine, he spends a lot of time in airports, and he and I travel frequently for pleasure. We would like to send an etiquette salute to our fellow travelers who use moving walkways correctly. That is, (laughs) walk left, stand right. Yes! (laughs) We are fast walkers and always travel with rollerboard carry-ons. We appreciate being able to move quickly on the moving walkways when slower travelers stand to the right. Allowing other travelers to navigate without interference shows courtesy to your fellow travelers and respect for others' time. Sustaining member... Walkway woman. Walkway woman. A, thank you so much for being a sustaining member. And B, this is such an awesome salute. I love this idea. I I love, it's kind of like generic, but not generic. I love it. I absolutely love this salute. (laughs) 
I do too. It's taking me right back to my childhood growing up in rural Vermont. Escalators and moving walkways yes. were just magical. Just magical. I couldn't believe they existed. And airports were the places I encountered them most frequently. Shout out to Chicago and the underground concourse say. between the B and C terminals oh, because Harry. that is a, a playground Unreal. of my childhood. Oh, I remember my dad stoking me up for the first time we were going to go through that. Like it was anyway. Very cool. The mirror on the ceiling, though, I have this very distinct memory of standing on that walkway and looking up and I could see the people approaching from behind. And I also remember learning that you stand right and walk left and let them by. Yep. (laughs) Thank you so much for the salute, walkway woman. And thank you for listening. Thank you to everybody who sent us something and to everyone who supports us on Substack. Please connect with us. Share this show with friends, family, and coworkers, however you like to share podcasts. You can send us your questions, feedback, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. And Dan, today I am stopping here so that I don't run through the whole ending. (laughs) (laughs) Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting emilypost.substack.com. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show ranking, which helps more people to find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine, and it is assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and, and Bridget. Bridget. 